Good morning and welcome to Horizon Community Church. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And we're starting out this morning with a time of prayer. So it's only been one month, uh, one month since our last live service. But in that time, there's been hurricanes and earthquakes. There's been the worst shooting in U.S. history. There's a lot going on in our world and country. And so I wanted to take a few minutes to pray. Before we pray, I want to just talk a little bit about prayer. I know you say, Alex, you're preaching later. You don't get two sermons. I know I'm going to keep this really short. But I think sometimes we have some misconceptions about prayer. Um, when we have someone lead us in prayer, in just a minute I'll call Larry up here and he's going to lead us in prayer. That doesn't mean that you sit there and think, wow, he's such a great prayer. Uh, you know, and you marvel at his prayer. It means you pray alongside him. And as he leads you, he'll provoke things that you should pray about. And when we pray, it's not us somehow wrestling God to do what we want. You know, like when we pray, God's just like, now I have to do that. They prayed about it. No, rather, when we pray, the Bible talks about we should pray in Jesus' name. And that doesn't mean that we pray for something selfish and then we say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. It means we pray for what Jesus would pray for. And so prayer is us aligning our heart with God, finding out what does God want out of this outcome? What kind of outcome does God want out of this situation? And that is why we pray. We align ourselves with God and then we ask him to move in our world. And last, I just want to mention, prayer does not excuse us from helping people. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody in need, and you're like, well, I'll pray for you. Just help them. <laughs> like, you know, if you have it in your power to help them, don't just pray for them. Just reach out and help them right there. And sometimes we use prayer as an excuse to keep from doing things in the world. And so, because we're going to pray about tragedy today, that by no means excuses us from actually helping how we can in tragedy. Our church has already given a couple hundred dollars to hurricane relief, and uh, we're going to look at this summer opportunities to even go and work in some areas that have been affected by the hurricanes and different national uh, disasters. Uh, but prayer does not excuse you from actually helping people. But with all that said, we're, I'm going to ask Larry to come up, and he's going to lead us in prayer, and then I'll get started with our sermon after that. Let's give Larry a good round of applause as he comes to pray for us. Lord, we just take a minute now to remember uh, all those hurt in our country, the different tragedies, the hurricanes through Houston, Florida, Puerto Rico. Um, we just lift these people up that are suffering and in need and uh, help us to help them, um, help us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. We just pray for these people now, and we pray for us, too, that we might show your love to other people, that you might help us, help us grow, help us learn every day, and to pass your love on to others. We ask all these things, Father, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you so much that we're able to meet here, the great freedoms that we have in this country, all your tremendous blessings. We thank you for them now. We appreciate all the great blessings that you put on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Larry. So the best life you can live is not a life where you get everything you want. 
that's a, sounds a little disappointing at first, right? But the best life you can live is not a life where you get everything you want. It's a life where you give everything that you have. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about both in live services like this and online services, we've been talking about how to live an abundant life, how to live a fulfilling, meaningful life, because we all know people, despite what they're going through, who seem to have peace and joy, and they just seem to be living a deeper, richer, more fulfilling life than some of us. And so we've been talking about over the last few weeks how living and loving like Jesus Christ teaches us how to live an abundant life because I believe that Jesus Christ lived the most abundant life of any human being who has ever lived or ever will live on this planet. And we know in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus talking about himself here, he says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if we're gonna live and love like Jesus and living and loving like Jesus allows us to enjoy the abundant life, then that means that we should act like Jesus did, and he came not to be served, but to serve. Now this is in direct contrast to our culture, because our culture teaches us one thing, to pursue our own preferences. And you know, the way that culture teaches us is that preferences are king, but there's really only one king in our lives, and that's Jesus. Culture trains us to always look out for number one, like if you don't look out for number one, no one else is going to look out for number one but we find that in our world today it's not the people who are rich and famous who are living the most abundant fulfilling lives if it was the rich and famous who were enjoying the most abundant life they wouldn't be killing themselves and we wouldn't see them flying over to distant lands to help orphans or build wells they recognize that there's something fulfilling in serving others but this is in direct contrast to our culture and what we're taught from just very much the first moment that we're born our culture really tells us, focus on what you like, focus on your needs, have it your way. But I found that the more I fixate on my problems, the less abundant life I enjoy. The more I fixate on my problems, the more miserable my life gets. And the reality is that I found over and over again that as I make other people's problems my problem, it seems that God makes my problems his problems. And we recognize that this is very much what God intended for the church and for the followers of Jesus. In Galatians 6.2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's the law of Christ. What is that? To live and love like Jesus Christ, to act like Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He came into this world. He died in our place on the cross. He paid the penalty for your sins and for my sins, the destructive things that we've done that hurt our relationships with each other and hurt our relationship with God. And he laid down his life. He didn't focus on his comforts, his needs, his ambitions, but instead he said, how can I help others? And so if we're going to fulfill the law of Christ, we're going to reach out and carry other people's burdens just like he carried ours to the cross. And so uh, I'm going to use an example here, and I've asked Justin to come up and just help me with this example. So Justin, if you want to just come down front right here. Let's see what we've got here. If you hold this one with that facing out, thank you so much. So most of us go through life like this. We've got this box called My Life, and this is, this is our total focus. And we're only focused on one thing, like walking around with this box, and we're like, we've got a really good grip on it. And on one side of it is my preferences, right? We're like, what I want, what I like. It doesn't matter if other people like it. And then on another side is my comfort. We're like, if it's not comfortable to me, I really don't care who else is suffering as long as I'm comfortable. And then 
Of course, we have my dreams, because my dreams trump everyone else's dreams. And, uh, and then we also have my wants, because everything centers around me. And we tend to cling on to this, like, this is my life, and it's about what I want. And that's the most important thing. But we don't realize the tighter we cling on to this, our desires, our comforts, our wants, what's being pressed against us is actually a miserable life. That's what we're holding on to. The more we focus on us and what we want, the less we're going to enjoy our life. And we see people over here like Justin walking around with other people's needs, and we're like, I don't want that. I've got my life that I'm holding on to. That's what I want. But the reality is when, when I take this from Justin, um, what's on the other side when I take other people's needs is the abundant life. As you put down what you want and what you selfishly desire and you take what someone else needs, it actually opens up the abundant life to you. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you coming. Give him a good round of applause coming up and holding a box. Um, so why am I talking about all this? Because we're working through the book of Romans. And if we don't understand this, what Paul says next will seem crazy. In fact, it, it always seems a little crazy when I read it anyways. We're in Romans chapter 9 this morning. We're going to read the first five verses. And here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 9, starting in verse 1. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. And so I don't know if you caught it here, but Paul's saying something really crazy. It's so crazy, he starts out by saying, I'm not lying to you. I'm not joking around. I'm not teasing. This is real. Essentially what he says is, I, want, I wish I could be eternally separated from God if it meant all the Jewish people in the world would know Christ and be saved. Essentially, Paul said, I'm willing to go to hell if it meant all the Jewish people in the world would go to heaven. That's a pretty crazy statement, right? That's pretty extreme. And he, he even backs it up by saying, I'm telling the truth here. Even the Holy Spirit would testify that I'm not lying. I'm, he's essentially saying, I swear to God, this is how I really, really feel. He was so desperate to see people come to know him. He says, if I could trade my own salvation to see them saved, I would. He says, it's not possible, but he says, if it could, if I could, I would. You know, it's really interesting that to reach people, Paul was willing to go to hell if he had to. Many times to reach people, we're not willing to put aside our preferences for one minute about how we like something. We're not willing to put aside our comfort to talk to someone. Many times we're not willing to make the smallest sacrifice to reach someone with the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm willing to go to hell to see people come to know Jesus. Now, you say, wait a minute, Alex. This doesn't sound like an abundant life that Paul is describing here. Because you notice what he says in verse 2. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And you go, wait a second now. That does not sound like an abundant life. That sounds like a miserable life. He says that he has sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart. How can that be part of an abundant life? I found over and over again that brokenness drives ministry. You will never serve people until you truly feel their pain. And you truly feel for what they're going through and what they're suffering. You will never serve people until you weep for them. 
until you're so moved with compassion for what they're experiencing that you want to make their life part of your life. Mother Teresa was a Catholic nun in India who worked with lepers and people who were just thrown out on the streets to die. And she said this, I have found that when I love until it hurts, there is no more hurt. There is only love. And I found this as well. If you love someone and pass the hurt and pass the pain, what you find is deeper and more meaningful love. And ultimately, the, uh, you find the abundant life on the other side of sorrow. Now, this is in complete contrast to our culture once again, right? Because what do we learn in America? We learn consumerism. America is built around this idea of consumerism. And consumerism asks one question, what can I get? And so we come to Jesus and say, what are you going to give me? We come to the church and we say, what are you going to give me? Everywhere we go, we go to a restaurant, we go to a store. We're like, what are you going to do to make my life better? And this idea of consumerism has even slipped into the church and into our Christian lives, where we've begun to constantly ask this question, what does it do for me? But the question that Christianity should be asking is, what can I do for others? What can I give, not what can I get? You, you know, today we live in the age of selfies, right? Um, on my social media page, it actually breaks down my photos and it has an album of selfies, pictures I've taken of myself. Even on my phone, there's an album that says selfies, pictures I've taken of myself. And we used to take pictures of nature or God's creation or other people that we were doing things with, but now we turn our cameras around and take pictures of ourselves. And I don't think selfies are sinful, but I do think that selfies are a symptom of our selfishness. And selfishness is sinful. Which brings us to this really interesting passage that Jesus talked about in Matthew 10.39. He says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And I know that sounds like a bit of Yoda wisdom. I was going to do a Yoda voice right here. And my wife Darby said, don't do your Yoda voice. Um, anybody want to hear my Yoda voice? There's a few people. I'm going to do my Yoda voice. And so it sounds like something Yoda would, be say, uh, would say. And he would say it something like this, I think. Whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for my sake, will find it. And I destroyed my microphone. Okay, so my Yoda voice destroyed the microphone, but I'm back. Thank you for, uh, you know, if you hate Star Wars and you don't know who the little green pointy-eared alien Yoda is, I'm so sorry you had to suffer through that. Um, but sometimes we read these things that Jesus said and we think, what in the world is he talking about here? You know, it seems like he's just saying things in this puzzling manner. But really what Jesus is communicating here is the more you seek your needs and your wants and your comforts, the less abundant your life will be. The more you pursue your own happiness, the more elusive your own happiness will be. Young people all the time talk about finding themselves, right? I remember I was uh, out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I told people, I'm just trying to find myself. Taking some time to find myself, right? But the more you look for yourself by pursuing you, the less of you you will find, and what you do find, the less you'll like. The more you serve and pursue the needs of other people, the more you will not only recognize who you are and who God made you to be, but the more you'll actually enjoy finding out who you are. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. The more you pursue your interests, the less abundant life you're, you're going to have. The more you pursue the needs of the world, the more abundant life that you will enjoy. And this is the counterintuitive nature of God's kingdom. 
how things work in God's economy is counterintuitive to what we think of and what we've been told in the world. God uses pain to bring purpose. He uses sacrifice uh, to cure our selfishness. He uses service to teach us how to enjoy and have a satisfying life. And as I was teaching through this, it reminded me of an episode of The Twilight Zone. Anybody remember the old black and white television show, The Twilight Zone? Okay. It was on before most of us were born or alive, but it's kind of a fun thing to go back and watch. And they would take these bizarre standalone stories, and sometimes they would be sci-fi, and sometimes they would be psychological or trippy, and there would be all these different stories. But I remember this one, season one, episode 28 of The Twilight Zone. It follows this robber who's robbing a jewelry store named Rocky Valentine, and he's running from the cops, and he gets shot. And he wakes up in this beautiful penthouse, and there's this strange man there named Pip. And he says, hey, give me your money. And Pip says, I don't have any money. He says, but I'll give you whatever you want. And he says, well, I want a million dollars. And he says, here's a million dollars. And he goes, I want beautiful women. And there's beautiful women right there. And then he goes down to the casino and every game he plays, he wins. And he's like, this is awesome. I died and went to heaven. This is the best thing ever. And so day after day, any woman he wants, he just approaches her and she follows him back to his apartment. Um, anytime he wants money, he just has it. Every game he plays, you know, he's playing poker and blackjack. And every game he plays, he wins. He never loses. And he's like, this is awesome. Every slot machine, you know, he wins. But after a while of this, he goes, this isn't right. I hate winning all the time. And so Pip goes, how often do you want to lose? And he goes, no, no, I don't want to tell you. I, I, I don't want all this. And he goes, but this is everything that you've ever wanted. He goes, yeah, but I shouldn't even be in heaven. And that's when Pip turns to him and goes, you're not, you're in hell. And I think that sometimes we think if we got everything we ever wanted, we'd be in heaven. But the reality is you getting everything you selfishly want isn't heaven, it's hell. Giving everything that you have to help someone else, that's where you enjoy the abundant life. Now, if you're like me, when someone talks about helping other people and helping other needs, what I usually do is I get paralyzed. I remember I went to this concert one time, and it was like a benefit concert, and they were like, we're trying to put wells in this village. And they showed a, uh, a video of the village, and I'm like, yes, I should help them. Then they showed this next video, we're trying to get these kids adopted. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna give to that. And then the next video is like, we're trying to help these kids go to school. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna give to that. And then they're like, these people are in poverty. And I'm like, there's too much, I can't do it. I mean, even right here in Philadelphia, right? We have schools in Philadelphia that are crumbling. We have a heroin epidemic. epidemic. We have um, poverty. We have all these issues right around us. And sometimes we think, there's too many issues. I'm paralyzed, so we just do nothing. But that's not the answer. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. We can't feed everyone, but we can feed one. And so what I'm going to suggest is that we actually step out and help someone. So you say, okay, Alex, I'm basically selfish. You're telling me that the abundant life is when I help other people, but my basic desire is not to help other people. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but if we're honest, that's all of us. Our basic desire is to focus on our own, focus on ourselves, and not help other people. So what do we do with this? How do we start to change? Remember we talked about as we live and love like Jesus Christ, he begins to change the behaviors and desires of our heart from the inside. But in the meantime, we discipline ourselves by choosing to serve people even when we don't feel like it. You know, in the Bible, there's this interesting pattern. Emotion, feeling, follows obedience. In our culture, we always talk about feeling uh, preceding 
and action. In the Bible, feeling and emotion almost always comes after the act of obedience. And so in our culture, we say, well, I feel like doing that, so I'm going to do it. Or I don't feel like doing it, so I'm not going to do it, right? We're ruled by our emotions. But in the Bible, it says act in obedience, and afterwards you enjoy the feeling of abundance. And so we discipline ourselves. We choose to serve people, and as we choose to serve people, it begins to kill the selfishness in our hearts and begins to make it natural for us to serve other people. Um, I remember saying something similar to this one time, and this lady came up to me afterwards, and she goes, she goes, that would be hypocritical. She goes, if I don't feel like serving people, and then I go and serve them, that's hypocritical. I'm like, no, that's not what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is acting in contrast to a belief you have, not in contrast to an emotion you have. Your beliefs should lead you to act in contrast or in contradiction to your feelings sometimes. But it's not hypocritical to do what's right even when you don't feel like it. That's called maturity. And so if you want a more abundant marriage, if you want a more abundant neighborhood, if you want a more abundant workplace, stop trying to have your needs met and start seeing how you can meet the needs of other people around you. You want your marriage to be better? Stop insisting that your spouse meet your needs and think, what are her needs? What are his needs? How can I meet them? How can I serve my spouse? And what you'll find is pretty soon, you'll enjoy your marriage more, you'll be more enjoyable in your marriage, and it'll be more abundant. The same thing works in your workplace, or in your neighborhood, or on your street, in your community, in your dorm room, in your classroom, wherever you are, when you set aside your desires, what you want, your comfort, your preferences, and you say, how can I serve and meet the needs of other people? That's when things begin to change. You say, okay, Alex, I want to get started. Give me an example of where I can jump in and serve other people. Well, I'm glad you said that, and you didn't, I said it, but I'm hoping that you're saying that in your mind. And um, on, in two weeks, our church is going to be serving at the Villanova Special Olympics, the Pennsylvania Special Olympics at Villanova. And we would love for you to come out and serve with us. We did it last year. We had a handful of people last year. I would love to have a bigger group this year come out. So there will be lots of churches and organizations in two weeks on November 12th from 10 to noon. And we'll be out there helping and serving. Sometimes we're helping feed some of the athletes. Sometimes we're helping clock some of their runs. It's a great day to set aside your desires and your preferences and to serve someone else. So I'd love for you to sign up for that. I think that's a great place to start in serving other people and building service into your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for the challenge from the Apostle Paul. Uh, he was willing to do anything to see people come to know you. And so many times, God, we're not willing to do something that's not comfortable or something we don't enjoy or something that doesn't immediately please us. Forgive us for our selfishness and help us recognize that selfishness isn't giving us a better life, but rather it's robbing us of the best life that we can have. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will move in our hearts and minds that we won't simply hear about this life, abundant life that we can live by living sacrificially, but we'll step up and we'll say, yes, I want to sign up to be part of that Villanova Special Olympics Serve Day. I want to find ways to serve the people in my dorm, the people in my uh, neighborhood, the people in my home, the people in my community. And God, I pray that you will be glorified as we sing and as we worship, and I pray all these things in your name.
4, 5 through 7 says, Part your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and thunder. Reach down your hand from on high. Even so, come, Lord, we wait for you. Yeah. 
Katie is on her way up with announcements. Hi, you guys can take a seat. Um, thanks so much for coming to Horizon Community Church. Um, right now, Horizon is not having a normal service every single Sunday. So what we do is we have online services. Our next service um, that will be held here is on November 26th. Um, and so for um, the online services, you can just go to horizoncommunity.com and um, and there's also podcasts that you can listen to with iTunes. Um, so if you want to pull out the connection card that should be on your table, you can fill that out now. Um, what you can do is you can um, either give with the connection card or you can give online too at horizoncommunity.com slash give. And um, with those connection cards, you can drop them on the orange bucket on your way out. It's a great way to be able to know what Horizon is doing right now and in the future. Um, and some things that we're going to be doing, um, Alex mentioned this in his sermon, but we're going to be serving at the Villanova Special Olympics, and that is November 12th. This is also the podcast, so that's what it'll look like if you want to listen to that, uh, the online sermons. Um, and then our next live service is here, November 26th, like I said. So, um, also, if you're a first-time guest, we're so thankful that you're here. And so if you want to stop at the connection table on your way out, we have a special gift for you. And inside are more things to know what Horizon is doing and also a Starbucks gift card for $5. Um, and down here, Alex will be having a Q&A if you have any questions about what Horizon is doing or about the sermon he is willing to talk to you. All right, thank you. Have a great day.